This is going hokey. Good morning. This is George Bresnahan. Stories about my mother who passed away about uh, 11 years ago. Uh, one time there in North Dakota in the 60s, it was Sunday morning and she always had us six kids and, and husband off to mass, which was a couple hundred yards away. And it was February, maybe, and the snow was about knee high. We all came out the side door of the house to go to mass. And I was across the, the, way, the way, and mom stepped out, took a few steps in the snow, and got stuck. Stuck in the snow up to her knees. And she immediately started crying, a real painful cry, loud and and myself and the neighbor jumped to and tried to help out. She went back in the house and it was only in recent years that she told us what she was feeling at, at that moment. What crossed her mind was getting stuck in the snow meant that she was not going to Mass. And that meant that she would be going another whole week without getting out of the house. And she had six kids whom she loved dearly, but it, six kids is a lot of work. So it was going to be two weeks of not getting out of the house. And that's why she cried. Yeah. Yeah. Around 2000. Around the year 2000, I said to mom, Mom, when you are on your deathbed, you're not going to have any real regrets, are you? And she said, No, we O'Connor women. And then she either said, uh, We know what to do or we know who we are. But I was so impressed with we O'Connor women. you know, in the 1930s, she was born in 34, so by 40 she was six years old. So in the 30s and 40s, she learned who she is and what to do uh, from the O'Connor women, which would be her, her sisters, her mom, her aunts. Yes. So she knew what to do, and she didn't have regrets, and she lived a good life. She lived to 75. She died the same night as Ted Kennedy died. And I, you know, sometimes uh, my mind thinks in terms of, uh, if you will, New Yorker cartoons. You know, just one image with a caption down below. And that night I pictured... Mom and Ted Kennedy, they're in line to get into heaven. And my first thought was um, that they would meet and and smile and appreciate each other. Up there, you know, where where his uh, royalty as a Kennedy doesn't matter, where his uh, genuine accomplishments as a senator did matter. But I imagine they're in line uh, approaching St. Peter's Gate's um, 
that they were equals. They were equals. Mom was a nurse, and a mom of, of seven kids. And, and so there they are in line. And, and I'm imagining the two of them just kind of nodding and, and appreciating each other. But also in terms of a, of a New Yorker cartoon, another thought came to mind that um, there they are, Ted Kennedy and mom in line to, to get into heaven. And everybody in line is making a fuss over mom. And Ted Kennedy is a little surprised about that. So he turns around to the guy behind him and says, who's the broad? So, yeah, my mind, I sometimes see New Yorker cartoons and in, in things. Uh, now, there is a joke, by the way, a little time out here uh, of these uh, three pastors who had to approach the gates of St. Peter. The pa three pastors from San Diego and, and their wives, they decided it was time for a break and they would go camping up in the, the Cuyamaca Mountains above San Diego. And they um, they rent a motorhome. So off they go and they get off the, the highway and, and work into the forest there and those windy roads uh, going up, 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 up into Cuyamaca. And here comes a semi going too fast and then the brakes uh, go out on the truck so he's coming down and he loses control and goes into their lane coming straight at them fast and so the driver one of the pastors makes a quick right and off they go down into the canyon and, and before you know it they're approaching the gates of St. Peter so the first couple they, they line up in, in three uh, three couples. The first couple, they're excited. I mean, he was a pastor, for goodness sake. And they, uh, they're they going in for their reward. As they walk past um, St. Peter saying, Hey, St. Peter, they wave to him. And they walk right past him toward the gate. And he calls them back. But they say, But St. Peter. And he says, the, the pastor says, you know, I brought a lot of people to Jesus. And Peter says, yes, it's true. And we appreciate it. But a quick look at the good book says you had a little problem with with alcohol. And look at that. Your wife's name is Sherry. I'm sorry. And they walk away dejectedly. Well, the second couple is looking at this. And they're surprised and saddened. But... Then they perk up because, well, at least they get to have the reward. And they start walking toward the gate and and they pass St. Peter and, and hey, how you doing, St. Peter? And they walk past and he calls them back. And they say, but, but St. Peter, I mean, we, we built houses for the poor. We fed people. Yes, and, and we appreciate it. But a quick look at the good book says that uh, you had a little problem there with uh, the parish finances. Look at that. Your wife's name is Penny. I'm sorry. And they walk away dejectedly. Well, the third couple is watching all of this. And she, the wife looks at her husband, and, and he's not uh, 
get, uh, getting encouraged here about his, receiving his reward. He uh, looks, well, quite hopeless, and he, he puts his arm around his wife and he says, Let's go, Fanny. We don't stand a chance. Oh, that was that. So let's see. Stories about my mom. Um, she was a marvelous cook. And my brother John, a real champ of a guy, he bought a house overlooking a beautiful canyon. And he was quite the extrovert. He's the only one of the seven of us who has passed away a couple of years ago, in fact. And all through the 90s, from 96 on to when mom died in 2009, that's um, 13 years. Is that all? Oh, my. It felt like 30 years. It was incredible. He had so many dinner parties. Such an extrovert. Uh, he knew that connection between service and happiness. Uh, he even said in his later years that he enjoyed grilling the meat more than eating it. Now, if you look at him, you know, he may, you might not believe it. He was getting pretty big. But that was an honest uh, comment, uh, observation on his part. And he he set the, the stage for mom. Mom didn't need strokes. She didn't need... Uh, to receive appreciation, but but she was a, a, an excellent human being, very generous, very uh, service-oriented, very giving, and she knew how to cook. She complained how that happened, that she became such a good cook. Um, the, her one sister who is still alive, Aunt Pete, Patricia, but she, she took on the name Pete early on, Pete and Pat. She married Pat, and and Pat was the man, and Pete is the woman. And mom ended up in the kitchen as a child, and through her teen years, cooking for lots of brothers and sisters there in the North Dakota prairie. And Pete, according to mom, was upstairs in her room, sitting up in her bed, reading girly magazines. Now, girly magazines were magazines for girls, and so and and Pete, uh, I guess, decided early on what kind of life she wanted to lead, because Patrick, uh, she married Patrick, and he was a lawyer, and he made a good living, and she never had to have a job, and she ended up living the good life, and as you can see, uh, she's still alive. Uh, it worked out well for her, and and she's a wonderful person. Now, mom, on the other hand, learned to cook, and we were the beneficiaries. My goodness, one time. Did I tell you this story already? When I was a sophomore in high school, I was on the third basketball team back before Title IX erased such things to give equality to the girls. After that, there were there was varsity basketball for the boys, JV for the boys, and I think varsity for the girls and JV for the girls. No more sophomore basketball team. But when there was, we practiced before school because we were the third team and in, in order to have the gym, have access. And late in the season, it occurred to Coach Coach Mayo that uh, each of us would take our turn, take a turn bringing 
something in for breakfast at after practice, just before first period of school. So when it became my turn, I said, oh, yeah, no problem. And I went to mom, really taking it all for granted, and said, mom, could you whip up a batch of your cinnamon rolls for the guys? Uh, it's my turn. She said, oh, sure. And she did. Mom worked from 8 a.m. to, or 8.30 to 3.30 there at Coronado Hospital. As Back in the 70s, she was the assistant director of nurses under Mrs. Granzer. And in the evenings, sometimes she would decorate cakes for extra money. Became good at cake decorating. She took a class there at the adult school and put it to use. But cinnamon rolls, boy, she learned in North Dakota. And, you know, in the 70s, when we were still eating fat, the butter in those cinnamon rolls, well, they were good. Uh, Dad used to say, you know, let's open a business with your cinnamon rolls. And then Mrs. Fields uh, beat her to it. And Mom explained that they succeeded in the airports because men, um, back then it was mostly men who were doing the traveling because it was business travel, and men like cinnamon. And that's why Mrs. Fields' cinnamon rolls did well in the airports. Uh, so Mom whips up a batch of cinnamon rolls in a tin there, and I take them to practice, really not thinking about it, because it's normal for, for our family to eat that kind of thing. So practice is over, and I pull this tin of cinnamon rolls out of my locker, and the guys just can't believe it. George, these things, these are this is excellent. George, do, do you live like this? Is this normal for you? Gosh, I'm going to take my cinnamon roll and wrap it up in this napkin and have it at nutrition break. I'm going to save this thing. Wow. You know, and that was, that's how we live. Mom just cooked and she was so good. There in her, her later years when my wife and, and boy were living with, uh, and myself were living with mom. Uh, the years before she died, and Angie was born during that time. Issa wanted to learn how to make mom's cinnamon rolls, mom's cheesecake. Uh, and she would uh, do all the work. Issa would do all the work, and the, the, the dough wasn't quite right. So she would call my mother, Grandma Jane, and mom would walk over, Back then, at that point, she wasn't walking that great. She would lean against the the counter, the kitchen counter, and and she would just give a few touches to the dough, just once, twice, maybe third, three times, and the dough was ready. It went from not quite ready to ready. There's a successful cafe operator here. In Irapuato, and we were talking about baking bread because they bake their own biscuits and, and sweetbreads. And he said, yeah, 
of the quality of bread is, is the love that the baker puts in it. So I hope he pays his baker well because they, they are succeeding. So back to John and mom. John would um, just give mom a, a place where she could shine with her incredible food. It's, it's still service, you know, in the in 80, 90s and, and aughts. Uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Christmas Eve, uh, they were all at John's house. Easter, New Year's usually, not always, but usually at John's house because of that patio with that incredible canyon out there. But it just all worked out so well. John is a marvelous host. And mom, let's see, it would be a ham, a turkey. You know, John would put the turkey sometimes, some years, out on the, out on the grill. He bought some apparatus to uh, uh, smoke a turkey. Uh, mom, of course, her potato salad. We've never eaten potato salad like mom's. I guess, I guess every family thinks theirs is the best. We do too. Uh, potato salad. Rolls. Um, rolls. Gosh, they were white flour. You know, she, you know, when I try to get her to go healthy, she say, "Oh, shut up," in a kind of a Minnesota, North Dakota accent. Um, you're making life miserable. I, was, I, I, I didn't question her on the logic of that one, but um, so this incredible spread of food, and so my, our John's neighbor Barbara took photographs one time. A marvelous day, uh, December twenty seventh, two thousand and three. We. We flew back from from Mexico. We were living in Mexico, Isa and I, and she had Georgie in her in her in her womb there. And we arrive, you know, straight from the Tijuana airport. And my buddy Edward is there, and John is cooking, and and Isa's brother comes down from Northern California with his wife and daughter, and and my. Mother-in-law came with us, and we're handing her over to her her favorite and only son. And gosh, it just and my buddy uh, Paco showed up, and with his daughter, it was just super. And um, there's we have photographs of that here on the wall, a montage of pictures that Barbara took. And there's mom holding her spoon like a like a conductor holds his wand to lead the orchestra she holds her spoon up like that and a smile the smile is is one of of experience of of glad to be of service of to to give us this food of of happiness in her own life so there's no arrogance it's just it's it's a uh, a healthy smile. And so there were many such occasions uh, where some family friend would, would be there at the table. Uh, Brian Young from Ireland, uh, Chris from France, you know, because with um, seven kids, you know, you're going to, and in their 20s and 30s, they're going to make uh, friends and, and, uh, our family, you know, our, our place was a good place to come. And John's house was the place. Uh, 
we the 80s were actually over at, at mom's house when uh, Moosehead was good and 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 we were still drinking Coors I think in the 70s but uh, the 90s when John opened up house uh, just we had friends over too uh, siblings friends and it was all beautiful thank you